1: Welcome, everyone, to Talk is Cheap, episode 8. Today we have a special guest, a very, very special guest. Mike Garofolo, the great former star legend, Giants beat writer. Now, Fox Sports One, NFL Insider, does a great job there. Mike, what's going on? Welcome. We appreciate you coming by to uh, talk Giants because obviously nobody better to talk Giants with than the venerable Mike Garofolo. <laughs>
0: What's up, dude? How you making up? Are you doing um, job yourself,
1: my friend. I'm good. You know, uh, actually, I probably should have left out that word venerable. The great Bob Glauber told me when I say venerable, it means old in so many words. But, uh, you know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about heard of <laughs> Let's pretend that that never happened. Anyway, what we're going to do here, we're going to bring Mike in. We're going to talk a little, almost like a sort of state of the Giants, where everything stands with them right now. Uh, we're at OTA's. Today, when we're taping here, tape day on Monday. Odell Beckham not on the field for a lot of the time. He's standing on the sideline with a little hamstring problem. Robert Ayers, he's out. He's got an ankle injury. Will Beatty, we know about him. He's not going to be back for a long time. Pectoral injury. Larry Donnell, Achilles. Mike, should we should we be worried about all these injuries? Even though it's June, beginning of June. I mean, you should worry about. Will
0: Beattie in the torn pectoral muscle. I don't think you need to worry about stuff that's keeping guys uh, knickknacks out of practice. And, and when Robert Harris leaves the field the other day um, and starts to walk off, and then he needs to party. he can't even make it to the locker room. I mean, had that been a season-ending thing, then you worry about that. But you come back and you find out a lateral ankle sprain right. uh, and nothing more significant. I, I thought it was significant only because I was there. And when I show up, bad things happen. I was at the uh, OTA practice when John Beeson broke his foot. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on some of the other ones. Now that I, ever since I've been off the beat, when I show up, something bad usually happens. So I thought, I've oh, got here. I am they're never going to let me in the building if this guy's out for the year. Well, that, uh, but then that maybe maybe thanks. you
1: should stay away for a little bit longer. That's sort of the problem here, though. People are worried about that. There's sort of a trend developing here with this team and injuries. Uh, you know. The last couple of years, the numbers show, the sheer numbers of everything show, just an amazing amount of injuries. Uh, most games lost two years in a row, I believe. That, that's sort of what the concern is. I get it, you know, these injuries are minor. But at the same time, is why, you know, they keep happening over and over. Uh, you know, that is somewhat concerning with this team. Can this team actually stay healthy is becoming a bigger question of whether then this is actually a good team or a good roster.
0: Yeah, I look. I, I think that, um, you know, every team feels like they've been bit more by the injury than everybody else because everybody suffers injuries. Um, you know, I, I think that this team has, has suffered their share. I, I just go back to, you know, even 2007. I mean, they were banged up that year and uh, Louis Jeremy Shockey and they lost a couple of other guys there and, and, and wound up uh, still winning the Super Bowl. So I just, you know, the last couple of years with some of the teams that have won Super Bowls. Uh, that Packers team a couple of years ago was incredibly bad. It had like 15, 16, 17 guys on IR. Right, uh, right. And they wound up winning the Super Bowl. It, it, it's all about the depth of the team. And this team has not been deep enough the last couple of years. Is because, you know, frankly, they whipped on a couple of drafts. And, and that's where you build the depth of your team. So I think you got to hope that the last couple of years, you know, in in, in 2014 and, and this year in 2015, that they were able to hit some gems down the line they can they can start to build a little more depth like they used to have
1: around here. Yeah, I mean, that's really underscores the the whole problem here is that, you know, guys are going to go down. You need the guys, the Eric Hermans, the the Mosleys, the, uh, you know, Devin Kennards, guys that are mid-late-round picks to actually be able to step up and step in there this year, you know, Mike Hale-Thompson, guys like that. In order for this to be a good team, they're going to need some of those guys probably to contribute again. Uh, Maybe even on an offensive line, let's go there for a second. All right, they, you know, right now they got Marshall Newhouse as their right tackle, Eric Flowers as their left tackle. What? How do you view this offensive line? Where you? Where would? How would you go? You you putting together your best offensive line combination right now? How would you kind of set this up? And where would you go from there? In, in your mind, do they need to add somebody else?
0: Well, minus the, you know, my, minus Will Beatty. Yeah, we're not counting. Else. We're not
1: counting Beatty here because we can't. Count, I, I, I think. You know, November. When you,
0: draft, when you draft a guy at number nine, um, I think you need him to be able to contribute immediately. Uh, and Odell Beckham did that for you last year. I mean, it, it's tough to compare a left tackle and a wide receiver because a wide receiver doesn't even have to start to contribute. He can come in, he can make a couple of plays, and then he can pop out of there. And you've got your left tackle in there, he's going to be in there every single snap for the entire game. I, I just feel like it, at, at this stage... Of the game for the Giants, with the way that they don't have that depth on the roster, when you grab a guy at number nine, you better be thinking to yourself this guy's ready to play right away. And I, I don't know for sure that they were thinking that. They, they may have thought, you know what, we, we've got some flexibility, we've got a decent left tackle, we can bring this guy in and have him play a little bit here and there, and he won't be ready to play right away, but he's his best long-term prospect. Right. I don't know what they were. They may have been thinking that in their heads, and, and maybe not admitting it, but. The fact is, you are where you are right now, and and this guy needs to contribute right away. I I'd throw him out there, and I would have patience.
1: At it, left it, tackle, though, I mean, at left tackle is you know that's that's a that's a quite an undertaking. We're not even talking about you know right tackle here. You know, at least we're talking about protecting the star quarterback's blind side. Uh, that's a yeah. tough task for a rookie. He's got he's, got he's got all
0: the tools. He's got a good offensive line coach, uh, and and right now, I don't know that any other option is your best option. I mean, if you If you move Justin Pugh out there to left tackle or if you want to uh, bring in a guy like Jake Long, let's say. Jake Long, frankly, if I'm him, and I know he's taking his time. I mentioned it on Twitter the other day. He's in no rush. Uh, He could pass a physical right now, but but what's the rush? Like, Why rush to get into a camp right now? It's not like you need to learn a system. You're going to find a team with a blocking style that suits you. Take your time. So it's not surprising to me that he wasn't signed right away, especially since you're still expecting Will Beatty back in November and Jake Long's going to hold out for a full-time position. Maybe, hey, the Broncos might might need young enough to suit this style so much. But I, I, I to me, I, I don't think you need to bring in somebody else. You've got this rookie. Let him develop. The good thing is it happened in May with Will Beatty, so you have the chance to bring this kid along and he's got the understanding, hey, I'm going to be the starter.
1: I think you go with that and then you adjust if you have to. But right now I think you go with your best talent and this kid is it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Tom Coughlin said it, you know, at OTAs this week, uh, they're going to, you know, go with what they have at offensive line right now and then they're during OTAs at least and then see what they have, see what they have out there in practice for now and see if that lineup is good enough. Now, Justin Pugh at guard, that that's sort of the question here to me, you know, Are they best with Justin Pugh at guard right now? Look, I know that obviously that was the plan because that's what they're going with right now. The thing is, you know, Justin Pugh might be their best tackle right now, if you just look at it. Justin Pugh in his his third year in the NFL, week one, going out there, might be better than Marshall Newhouse of whatever he is right now. Or you look at Eric Flowers, week one of his rookie season, so... That's a pretty big thing. Do you think that that's a possibility that they still go back to that or do you think they're totally married to, hey, Justin Pugh's a guard and we're going to go forward that way regardless? Well, I think, I think if, if they're smart, they'll do that because it's too
0: early in the guy's career to start messing around with him and, and moving him this way and that way. And, and, and David Deal was an excellent lineman for a number of years for this team. And, you know, he had to make the adjustments. Every time he moved, he had to adjust again. And he had difficulty doing that, and he's a guy that can handle it, too. Uh, And it took him a while to get adjusted um, to all these different spots that he wound up playing. And and the years that he played left tackle, I remember watching him in training camp, and he was struggling. So you don't want to do that too early in a guy's career, because not everybody's a David Deal. Not everybody can handle it, even if they are. Like I said, it took him a while, and he was having his growing pains from time to time. So I don't think you want to mess with them. Just put them in a spot, let them develop there, let them get comfortable, and let them stick around there. And, and if you've got guys like Flowers who are long-term projections at other spots, you put them there and you let them get comfortable. I still think comfort is a big point with these guys. And I think chemistry is a big point. And, you know, down the line, you may have to do some shifting with Pew, like you had to do with Deal when you found yourself in the certain spot. Like, let's say the BD injury happens week. Two of the season, and you're on short notice, and your rookie isn't ready. Well, then if you do have a guy like that that's valuable, then you can make those kinds of moves. But, again, having this in May, I just stick with the spot that you think the guy's going to be most comfortable in the long run, run. Put him there and let him get comfortable. Um, and, and I still believe the key to this line, really, is is going to be right up the middle uh, with Richburg. I think if, if he can play the kind of ball that they think he's capable of playing, that gives this line a completely different uh, look to it able to run the ball uh, up the middle. They need him to come up big. And, and, and That, to me, I will be watching the left tackle spot, obviously, but I want to see what happens up the middle with this line, whether they're able to run the
1: ball. Yeah, I mean, they obviously viewed Richburg last year as the best center in the draft, and they're, they're hoping that he turns into that. And actually playing center this year is, is a, definitely a big help for him. It's a position he's way more familiar with than he was a guard and probably better suited for it, let's be honest, physically. it wasn't He wasn't quite ready to be playing uh, – you know, being thrown in as a guard last year, and has to start 15 games or whatever, whatever it was. So, uh, the, the bigger question is what, what you know, what happens when if they decide Marshall Newhouse isn't the answer at right tackle. Fine, you'll leave. You're going to leave Eric Flowers there. You're going to go with the growing pains. When, when the if right tackle Newhouse isn't that answer, that's when you might have to bring Pew back a little bit. You know, use if, if he's their best option at that position.
0: Oh, but then you, but then you adjust, and then you, right. then you if. if... You, you know, you you, you got to have a little bit of patience, and you got to see what guys have, and and I guess that's more for Flowers because Newhouse is a veteran, so you're going to know basically what you what you have from him based on his previous experience of what he's showing you right now. Uh, but with, with Flowers, I would I would have I would have a little bit more patience. I'd have a quicker trigger with Newhouse than I would with Flowers.
1: Right, but I think I, I see your point. Almost holds true to Pugh as well at at guard. Let's let him play there. You give him the spring to get comfortable. You could always bring him back and flip him back and, and throw him back in at right tackle if you need to. But at least now you keep him there. Right, you keep him there at left guard. You let him get used to the position. You see how it goes, and then if you need to make a le- that last minute an adjustment, it's a little easier to do with Justin Pugh in his third year than to do with a guy like Flowers who's sitting there as a rookie trying to learn a very tough position in the first place. Yeah, but
0: as it pertains to Newhouse, uh, you know, I, I know everybody's focused on the blind side. Oh, we got to. Protect the quarterback's blind side. You better be able to protect on that right side as well, and not get pressure in the Eli Manning space because that's when he's going to run into some serious problems. Especially with this whole offense and his way that's based on the footwork. I go back to last year. Uh, you know, footwork isn't necessarily his strong suit. So you're going to need him to get comfortable in that pocket, um, and, and, and back Beckham making plays and him being able to get rid of the ball quickly to that guy, uh, and, and, and know that he's a even a safety valve down the field, so to speak. That, that certainly helps him get more comfortable, too. But that, this offensive line has got to protect him, not just from
1: the backside, from the front side, too. Yeah, I mean, the line is key to this team. We've known it. We've said it for years now. It, it, Eli Manning is a good quarterback when he's protected. He's not a guy who's going to thrive when he's under constant pressure. That's Although, I mean, he has done it in the past a little bit. You know, look at like, specific games, the San Francisco NFC Championship, stuff like that. He, he was under tremendous pressure, and he played amazing. But the reality is the last couple years, he hasn't been able to really thrive when, he, when he's been under that pressure. So you, you brought up Beckham. So we're going to talk about the most optimistic, what we're most optimistic about, what we're most pessimistic about here with the Giants for this season. So let's fire away. Most optimistic, we'll start, obviously, Beckham. Any reason to believe? I mean, I, I assume you agree with me on this one, that you're optimistic that he's just going to be continue to grow going forward here?
0: I think he's a sensational talent. I really do. I think he's just, uh you know, a guy who, you know, maybe if he was a little bigger, would have been drafted. I, you, you wonder, you watch the, the guy play last year and thought, and it's not just a one-handed catch. just his no. production. Um, you, you, you thought to yourself, you know, how did, how, how did, how did eight teams let this guy go by? I mean, his it, it's it's, it's, it's talent was obvious. Um, and, I, I don't see a guy being a one-year wonder that was able to do the number of things that he was able to do in uh, an offense that really suits him. I, I think he's a he's a terrific vertical threat, and the way he's able to get down the field and make moves uh, vertically, uh, I, I don't I don't think that there's any kind of sophomore slump here, right? I, I, unless there's a huge giant slump for the offense that I'm not seeing. I, I just what I'm optimistic about. I'm optimistic about this passing game. Uh, and and, and him being that kind of a weapon and Eli having his second year in the system to be more comfortable, uh, I I don't see any way that they don't put up uh, huge points, huge numbers
1: in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of what everyone's hanging their hat on because when you look at the defensive side, there isn't a ton to be optimistic about. I mean, you might, at least, that that are known quantities. That's why when I look at the other thing that I'm most optimistic about, I look at those two cornerbacks. I think that is one of the strengths of this team right now, especially on the defensive side. When you look at there's, you know, at least one defense, one defensive end spot is completely wide open. Uh, you look at two safety spots are basically going to be starting guys who weren't starting last year. Linebackers, uh, you know, at least one new linebacker, John Beeson coming back. So there, there's a lot of huge question marks. But you look at cornerback, you have DRC, you have Prince. To me, that is something that this team could be optimistic about. Those are two top-notch, top-quality cornerbacks, guys that could be potential Pro Bowl kind of players. I think I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Prince, as long as but his thing also, as we talked about before, staying healthy. So that to me is another thing I'm very optimistic about. Yeah. What, what about what to you about the defense gives you signs of optimism? Uh, give, I'm sorry. Gives me what? Gives you a vision of optimism. What what makes you optimistic that the defense? the uh, coordinator
0: i mean i uh, you know i he's he he's a, he's a long way removed from being a coordinator with the giants and you know we saw what he was able to do in, in in those couple of seasons uh particularly on the run to the super bowl um so i think that you know the the year in new orleans which was just an absolute joke, and, and and you really, I can't judge anybody or anything involved with the team based on that season uh, because that was just a complete and utter disaster. Um, and then you know you, you can't go by coach because you don't judge a guy in a coordinator head coach and coordinator in like league are two completely different jobs. And he struggled as a head coach, and that was obvious. Uh, but a terrific coordinator. He's able to uh, generate uh, generate pressure. Uh, with more than just his guys up front. I um, know he did a terrific job of that with some of the linebackers that he had during his time. You know, Kavika Mitchell uh, all of a sudden became a, a heck of a blitzing linebacker at times and a playmaker. Um, and I think he's going to have to do that with this defense because, like you said, you don't have those proven defensive ends. Unless, so, oh, Owa, Odegi Zubazuba, whatever his name is, I can't even say it.
1: Unless uh, <laughs> he comes oh, out oh, of nowhere. We just, we just go with Owa in this space. Unless he comes
0: out of nowhere and and he's a sensational player right off the bat. Uh, he's going to have to generate pressure with his linebackers and with some of his defensive backs. But I think he's going to be able to do that. And especially if you have those quarterbacks you were talking about. If you quarterbacks, you don't have to give them a whole lot of help. That's going to allow you to use your other guys to do things to create pressure. So I, I don't underestimate Steve Spagnuolo stepping back into being a coordinator uh, and his ability to create pressure and his ability to scheme some stuff. I think you're going to do a great job.
1: Biggest concerns now. Let's flip to the other side. You, it's, it's,
0: it, it's, it's a running game. Uh, you know, this team, it's not the Kevin Gilbride offense, but, you know, Tom Coughlin and, uh, uh, his history, he, you know, he's, he, him giving input into the offense. I think this team needs to be able to run the ball. And with all the concerns on the offensive line and, you know, let's face it, no spectacular running back back right. there, no, no, no Tiki Barber, um, you know, what, what can you expect reasonably out of this? Running game, and if they can't run the ball, they're still going to be a one-dimensional type of team. They're not going to be able to play as well from ahead. Uh, I still think they'll be able to throw the ball at times, but you want a balanced offense. Even if it is going to be a pass-heavy attack, uh, you still want to be able to have that threat of running ball, that consistent running ball. I still think you need to run the ball in this league, and uh, I, I just that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause about this offense is, is their inability
1: to run the ball at times. Well, that's the positive. You like you said. This team has a passing attack. They don't need to be a great running team. You know, they don't, they're, not, they're not going to be, probably be a great running team. They don't have the dominant run, offensive they line. They need to run the ball. Right. They just need to be serviceable in that area. Last, year, last he, year they were not he, serviceable.
0: Even the Packers, where Ben McAdoo came from, uh, are a completely different looking offense when they've got Eddie Lacy doing the things that he needs to do. Even the best quarterback in the game and the best passing attack in the game uh, need some help from that running game. They don't have any, like, you know, have a guy who's going to be able to just be that that, that physical threat that's going to get defenders on their toes instead of their heels. So they they need that offensive line to be able to block it up uh, and 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 move some guys out of the way and be able to run the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it will help that they do have big running backs. When you up about Rashad Jennings, if he could stay healthy, Andre Williams, these are guys that should be able to also help by making yards after contact in regards to that running game. So. That's a, that's another slight positive there when we're talking about the running backs. Granted, there's no Adrian Peterson, like you said, or, or Tiki Barber, dating yourself a little bit there with, with Tiki reference, but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> he was a
0: guy He was, a guy who was able to create things even when the line uh, was at, toward the end of his career anyway, was able to create things, and he was so good It's seeing things develop in front of them. That's why I reference Tiki Barber, the guy that the offensive line didn't have to be perfect. uh, Just had to be, you know, four out of five guys were doing their job. Tiki was going
1: to hit a big one. I'll put it that way. I mean, that's the thing with great running backs. When you look at a great running back, they could the really good running backs. They can make they make yards no matter what. They make three or four even when there's nothing there, and that's important. And that adds up over time. So it it would help. I mean, Rashad Jennings. I like Rashad Jennings. He's a good-looking player. If he could ever stay healthy over a sixteen-game stretch, which is obviously the big if with Rashad Jennings, it would definitely help this team because he's a guy who can make yards when, even when there's nothing there, just by using his sheer power. And he does have decent, you know, wiggle and wiggle to him. So, but to me, the biggest the biggest concern, I look at the defensive side, and to me, it's not the safety. Tell me if you agree on this. The safety position, where I think I think they could they could get by. They got you know Landon Collins, the guy they drafted. And then you know, slap together one one of the two younger guys, you know, Napper, Hey, Cooper, Taylor, one of those kind of guys in there, and they could be all right with the cornerbacks they have. To me, the biggest concern is the pass rush, and that sort of goes into the line of why you think Spags is so important. How big a concern is that to you? I'm I'm not sure they can create that natural pressure that they did in the past for Spags. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I don't I don't even know how much O was really going to contribute. You have Jason Pierre Paul, and then what do you really have on the other side? You have Demontre Moore, who admitted he played last year at 245 pounds, which is kind of concerning. And then, you know, George Selvey and Owo, who's probably more of a run guy at this point. Do they have enough in that regard in the pass rush, or is this just going to have to be creating pressure from other places by specs? Uh, no, I think they're going to definitely
0: have to create pressure. I think they're absolutely going to have to degree pressure, but if they can get some of these guys in one-on-one blocks uh, and, and create the right matchups with them, I think they can get some stuff done. And George Selby, to me, is the guy. He's the key. I think he's capable of uh, uh, of doing it in spurts. We've seen it before. I mean, was...
1: Really? You're that high on George Selby?
0: I, a couple of years ago, he really did it. I'm, I'm surprised. I thought that was going to be a breakout season for him. Early, you know, in the preseason and early in the season, he was really playing well for Dallas. And I said, this guy's going to be a breakout kind of guy. And it never really developed for him. Uh, I think if anybody's going to be able to put him in the right position, it'll be, it'll be Spags. And, uh, and, and we might, we might see him surprised. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do you set the over-under for sacks at him Whatever it is, I'll take the over. How about that?
1: Well, I, I'll be honest with you. If I set the over/under sacks for George Selvy, it would probably not be a huge number. It would probably be—I'll give you three, two and a half, three. Uh, which one is it? Give me, give me two and a half. I'm taking over. Well, But does this three change it so much? You're not taking the over at three. Well,
0: now now it's a push at three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, just, I, I think I think he, what he. I think he had three last year. Um. And he put up a big number the year before that, if I'm not mistaken. So if you, all right, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll set it at three since that's what he had last year, I believe. If I'm wrong, we'll, rip, we'll adjust it. But we'll set it at three. I'll take the over.
1: All right, Garofalo takes the over at three. I'm, it's like I'm, I'm going against the guy to do poorly now. But uh, okay, it just just to give you, just to make you feel good when he goes over three, we'll we'll set the line at three instead of two and a half. So there you go. There the Demontre Moore is really the guy I think that they have to figure out how. To best utilize this guy now, I don't. They don't really know. They don't really trust him to play against a run. That's pretty obvious. It's been obvious now for two years. Uh, they ha- they have no desire to. Even when they they lost both their starting left defensive ends last year, they still wouldn't put him in on running down. So I think that pretty much tells us everything. But it's going to be up to Spags to find a way to utilize this guy. He had five and a half sacks last year. This is a guy that if you can play him enough, he might just be his pass rushing specialist. But if they can play him enough, he's a guy who can actually probably be approached that double digit range. Maybe that, that, that's probably not his over under is probably not definitely not in that range. But he's a guy I think that you can get you can probably get eight out of if, if they use him correctly, even without using him every down. Um, do, do you think how important do you think? Demontre Moore is, and do you think that he is a guy that they're going to plan on using more, or can use more? Uh, yeah,
0: if he's... If he's what do you say he weighs right now, by the
1: way? Right now, I think he said it was 255. Last year, he said he was 258, maybe even. 255, 256, actually. He said last year he played at 245.
0: Uh yeah, that's that's too slight if you want to be able to play against the run in this league and uh, if he can keep his weight up and he can show some strength. I mean he's a slight he looks to me like a slight build. He's not a he's not a wide body kind of guy who looks like he can carry weight. I, he's not he's not gonna be your, you know, two sixty five guy. He's never gonna be that guy, honestly. Right. And and I think that uh
1: part of the you know, reason why he was drafted where he was drafted, I think right, as
0: well. Right, of course. But, uh, you know, and, you, and you, the more weight sometimes these guys put on, the slower they get. And you don't want to have that problem either. So, you, you can play defensive end at this league at, you know, 250 if he stays around there. You can absolutely play defensive end at this league. But you need to be more than a pass rush specialist. You need to be able to contribute all three down. So, um, you know, I I I, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say, you know, pass rush specialist is something that they're going to want to see from anybody. I think they want him to be more of an every-down type player. So he's got to get that weight up, keep it up, and play better against the run. And then he'll be able to produce even more sack-wise than an eat number like you're talking about. I'll
1: paraphrase here then. Mike Garfolo is higher on George Selby than he is Demontre Moore.
0: Uh, as it pertains to uh, well, uh, expectations? Well, yeah, sure. Cause it's, cause thriving in the, gi- the Giants
1: uh, system. How about that?
0: If DeMontre Moore puts up eight sacks and George Selby puts up five, what's going to surprise you more? You're already expecting DeMontre Moore to to put up eight sacks. Well, if Selby puts up five, related to expectations, he had the better season, right? So
1: there you go. It's good math. Good math. I like it. It it, it works for me. Well, all right, Mike. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for coming on. Mike Garofalo, the great former Giants beat writer, now Fox Sports 1 NFL insider, does a great job there. Thanks for joining us. Do it again soon, but don't come out to practice. All right. The Giants fans ask you, please, don't come out to practice anytime soon. They want all their guys in one piece at least till training camp. Can you give us? Can you give us? You know, at least till training camp. For... Uh, I'll do my best. Right, no more injuries until training camp. Mike will not be out to practice. We're all good. So all right, you thanks. Go. There we go. Thanks for listening. Everyone, Talk is Cheap, episode eight. Subscribe on iTunes. Next week, hopefully we'll have Nick's Nick Powell back from Safari in South Africa. He'll tell us what the heck he was doing in South Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm in I'm at OTA's and Nick Powell's uh, Safariing in South Africa or something. You know that this is this is what, this is what happens. How yes. pay these days? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Garofalo might be back next week, by the way, folks. He might be back working on our team. But, hey. I might be
0: back permanently taking a <laughs> South African party.
1: All right. We'll speak to you. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes. Talk is cheap. Episode 8. See you next time.